right. I've got a, last uh, Wednesday night, I started talking about the local church. How many believe the local church is an important part of the kingdom of God? How many believe it could be the, the, the center of, of God's plan for your spiritual life? How many would agree that the local church is the center of your spiritual life? I got, I got, a, I got a whole group right here saying, yes. But everybody else is going, hmm, hmm. How many know it should be the church? So, you know, um, ecclesia is the Greek word for church, and it means an assembly of called out ones. And you can put all kinds of definitions on that, but I mean, the bottom line is God called us out of the world, out of sin, out of darkness to be a family. And as Paul said in Ephesians 3, there's part of the family of God that's already in heaven. And then there's a great big family, the family of God on earth. We're part of the ecclesia. We're part of the called out ones. And if you're a part of the family of God, uh, to make that, uh, to put teeth in that and help us understand uh, how organic the family of God is and how important it is. I believe it's God's plan for every believer. And this is estimated about 2 billion Christians worldwide. Uh, every one of those believers should be involved in a local church. So last Wednesday night, we started talking about the importance of the local church. I went to Ephesians chapter 4. We read some verses there that talked about what should be happening in the local church. I gave some personal illustrations about the um, the office of the pastor, the office I'm a pastor, teacher, and how that works in the local church. Today I'm going to change it a little bit, and uh, uh, I was going to add this to my notes and didn't have time last week, so I started, started to start here this week. I want to talk about this because the time we're living in, church is becoming de-emphasized. Attending church is de-emphasized. How many, think, how many understand? So six reasons for attending in-person church services. Now, this is not a slap for somebody watching online. You know, we've got lots of reasons people walk online, watch online. Some people are out of town. Some people um, are infirmed and can't come. And, uh, you know, for instance, the, uh, some that are elderly and can't get around well, et cetera. So I get all that. But if you can, you ought to come to an in-person church service. Nothing can take the place of that. In fact, it will make your spiritual growth lopsided if all you do is look at, at church services online. Yes or no? In fact, I'll just, so I won't get ahead of myself, I, I won't even, I'll just, I've got six points. Um, and today, because of the internet, many people work from home, they shop from home, they communicate by text, by email. In fact, a lot of people communicate by text now because it's simple, easy. And I just say, if you do that, I think that's okay, but if you do that, put some emotion in it. Let people know you just don't, blah, 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 and, you know, just spit it out raw. And then they got to figure, does that person even know I'm, I'm human and I care? I mean, you know, so say something nice while you're doing it, too. Um, we communicate by text, email, from home. And really, um, it's, it's a time that a lot of people live in isolation. And now, because of the Internet, particularly the last two years with COVID-19, a lot of people work from home. I have uh, my, some of my children, uh, one of my sons just got a, Another job, his, uh, his base is in the West Coast. And, and so he, he has workers that he works with. There's a lot of people in the organization he works for. And they're, they're just all over the nation. And um, my goodness. But that's, that's uh, most people work, a lot of people do that now. They, they work, they have uh, jobs and, uh, you know, they just tune in and, 
You know, do you work from home? A lot of people do that. Um, that's okay. It saves gas money, right? Uh, but, but what it does do, it also isolates us. And isolation is a terrible tool of the enemy to discourage, to dissuade, and to let the works of the flesh come back into your life. In fact, you know, people that are in prison, uh, one of the uh, worst things if a person's in prison is to be put in isolation. That's a terrible thing because there's nobody to talk to. You're alone with your own thoughts. And uh, psychological problems are on the increase worldwide because of what's going on with the COVID thing, right? So, enough said about that. It's not God's best for your spiritual life not to come to in-person services, if at all you can. So, here's six reasons. You ready for this? Number one, uh, we are urged not to forsake being together. So, you know this, New Living Translation, Hebrews 10, 24, 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Maybe the Holy Spirit looked down through the, uh, through the um, uh, thousands of years of time, uh, the millennia, and, and saw our day today. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So it seems to indicate we ought to be getting together uh, more frequently and not less frequently. Yes or no? Uh, you know, if you go through church history, um, and I just finished a, a book here some months ago called The Heavenly Man by Brother Yoon. And if you haven't heard of that, that's an own book, y'all. Um, this man, he's my age. He was actually born the same year I was born. And he lived in China and uh, suffered some tremendous persecution But and, and, and in China. But even the Chinese church in the, in the persecutions they endured, they met together in people's homes because there's something about getting together with the rest of the body of Christ that ministers life to us. How many hear me? Zoom meetings aren't enough. And watching, you know, watching your phone, watching your iPad, maybe you're, you know, Chromecasting it to your TV. And again, I'm not trying to get on your case if you're not here tonight. I'm just saying don't get lazy and not come to church. Yes or no? And... Uh, you know, now we seem to have valid reasons. There's no valid reasons not to come. In fact, my, my take is it's a tool of the enemy to hinder God's purposes in the church worldwide for us not to get together. That was rousing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, another reason for coming today uh, is because of your children. And, and let, me, let me get in. Uh, they need a community of believers. How many hear me? Um, where you spend your time, listen, where you spend your time leaves a deep impression on your kids. Never bring your kids to church. Well, I don't want them to get sick. Listen, trust God with them. God gave them an immune system just like he gave you. They need other people. They need, they need church life. Uh, you know, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Actually, the Hebrew says, train up a child in the mouth of his way. And the, you know, um, I don't know if people do it now, but years ago, um, um, in fact, I have all these thoughts, that's why I'm hesitating. Uh, my, my mother, when my, my, I was 11 years old when my little brother was born, so I had to help take care of him. So I helped feed him and such. And if we were going to give him some, some new food out of a baby jar, which you don't even have jars today, uh, you'd open the top and dip your little finger in there and get a little on your finger and you stick it 
right in the roof of the mouth. See, that's the mouth of his way. Give him a taste. So train up a child in the mouth of his way. The way he should go, the mouth of his way. Get it? You're giving him a taste for what life is about. I'm really concerned with children today. Parents may be watching online, and, and you know, as much as we want to provide things for kids online, it ain't the same. And they need those personal touches, and they need the personal influence. And there's enough of nasty influence in the world today, and it's getting worse, friends. Enemies after your children, demon spirits after your children. They want to give them wrong interests, wrong desires. If you never bring them to church, the only, the only pull they have, have could be the world. Guess what happens when they get of age? They leave you alone, tell, tell you where to go, and they do what they want to do, right? So train up a child in the way you go. Again, you've heard my stories. When I was little, I had no option but to go to church. I mean, you know, I don't care if I was half sick. I was going to church. They dragged my tail to church for well, you just sit with mom and daddy tonight. If you don't feel good, just sit right there, lay your head on my lap. But I'm going to church, son. They just, you know, it was in me. And y'all uh, doing drugs as a teenager. It's crazy. I was a hypocrite par none. But you know what? There's something about when you have trained a child to do a certain thing. When I got on my own, I can make my own decisions. Something about it, I said, you know, I think I need to go to church when I got of age. And Jesus rattled my cage, turned my life around pulled the chains off of me, took me out of darkness and called me into ministry. Part of that's because my mom and dad did the job when I was little. So are you doing your job for your kids? You're watching online, you, how are your kids doing? Y'all? We are Wednesday night, we have Wednesday night services here because I think children need an influence that's spiritual. Not just on Sundays with a little bit of time they got there. They need it during the week and they need it in your house every day, yes or no? So anyway, we're urged not forsake our being together. Number two, a church is like a human body and cannot function as it should without being together with others. Um, I love the Passion Translation, so here it is. You've read this, I know, many times, 1 Corinthians 12. 12, just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. Uh, for by one spirit we were all immersed and mingled to get mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we're Jews, non-Jews, oppressed, free, we are uh, all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. In fact, the human body is not just one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. So if the foot says, I'm not, since I'm not the hand, I'm not part of the body, it's uh, forgetting that it's still a vital part of the body. If an ear were to say, since I'm not an eye, I'm not really a part of the body, it's forgetting that it's still an important part of the body. Think of it this way. If the whole body was just an eyeball, how could you hear sounds? And if the whole body were just an ear, how can it smell different fragrances? But God has carefully designed each member and placed it uh, in the body to function as he desires. A diversity is required for the body consists of one single part. If the body consisted of one single part, it wouldn't be a body at all. So now we see that there are many differing parts and functions uh, but one body, it would be wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you. Equally wrong for the head, uh, if the head said to the foot, I don't need you. In fact, the weaker our parts, the more vital and essential they are. The body parts are, we think are less honorable, we treat with great respect. And the body parts that need to be covered in public, we treat with propriety and clothe them. But some of our body parts don't require much atten- as much attention. Instead, God has mingled the body together giving greater honor to the lesser members who lacked it. has done this intentionally so that every member would look after the others with mutual concern. And so there will be no division in the body in that way. Whatever happens to one member happens to all. One suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honored, everyone rejoices. 
each part uh, needs the other. So we're like the parts of a body, and you know, uh, we could give lots of illustrations, but I think you really get the point with what the Apostle Paul said. But if we never get together, then, then you know what that means? That means we're a non-functional body. And, and you know, my, your body works in sync, and each part adds and, and each part is necessary. But if you think that we can be the body of Christ and only meet online, it is a tool of the enemy to hinder the work of God. Bottom line. Uh, so there's something missing when we're not together. Number three, we all have gifts uh, to be used to help others. These gifts do not work in seclusion. Uh, Romans 12, 4 through 8, again, Passion Translation. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. And so it is with the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all mingled into one body in Christ. That means that we are all vitally joined to one another uh, with each contributing to the others. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. And then in verse 7, he says, if your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. You have the grace gift of encouragement. Uh, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then you may prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. If you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. The bottom line of that verse is, God's given each believer in the body of Christ a grace gift. You know, you not, not, not be called like me into full-time, you know, Christian service. I mean, God called me when I was young, but uh, some people are. And you may be, if you're called to God into ministry, you'll never be satisfied doing something else. That's how you know. If you can be satisfied doing something other than ministry, then you need to do something other than ministry. Because I promise you, it's, uh, there's, there's a... Uh, there's a hellacious bunch of stuff that goes along with being in ministry, and there's pressure that you can't even imagine. And uh, so you think that's a lot of glitz and glamour and fanfare. No, I'm going to be honest with you, it's hell on wheels. And every devil in hell going to find out your address and see if they can move you away. And uh, so having said that, all of us have gifts. God wants us to use our gifts. If we're never in a, in a, in a local church setting, those gifts cannot cannot be accomplished as they should. Let me go here as well. Um, there's, a, there's a big movement, a house church movement today. I think that's okay. House, house churches are okay. I've been to house churches. Um, I've been to Africa. I've been to India. Uh, I was in Delhi, India. My mind's right now going back to, I think, 1998, maybe. I was in Delhi, India, and we went and visited some house churches and ministered in house churches. Uh, you know, the people were very beleaguered, didn't have a whole lot. And they were just shanties the people lived in. But, you know, the people love God. And um, so there, there's a lot to say about house churches. There are house churches in different parts of the world uh, that won't allow public meetings. Uh, can I be real? Uh, you know, I'm making plans. I'm, I'm always thinking ahead. And here at Victory, uh, we got a beautiful facility. This is a building. We are the church meeting in the building, right? But it's push come to shove, and we got into some really weird times. Couldn't meet in this building. I'm making plans I'm making plans for us to have church from house to house. You just watch. So that's one of my goals this year. So uh, some of you will be involved in some of that. So anyway, um, just saying uh, the local church, let me talk about house churches a minute. Some people have the idea we never need churches like this. I think that's wrong. Let me tell you why. And I mentioned this last week, and I'm not going to stay on this very long because I want to finish the last three points. But 
Uh, the point being, there is a ministry office of pastor. Question. If all you have is a house church with a bunch of people meeting together and somebody, the designated leader, where's the anointing from the Holy Spirit and the gift given by Jesus in that meeting? If it's not there, that church is out of order. And then the people won't be ministered to the way that they should. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a pastoral call. And then, of course, as a church grows, you know, when a church is young, like, you know, when I came here, we had 49 people. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of churches, the pastor does everything, uh, including mowing the grass and cleaning the toilets and everything else and visiting everybody. But, you know, as the church grows and the pastor, you know, raises up people that can do what he does, then that pastoral anointing can get off onto others and they can help him love the people. Yes or no? So, so all that goes in vogue with the local church and, and with meeting together. Having said that, there is a place for a pastor and the anointing of a pastor and the anointing. I believe a God-called pastor also ought to be a teacher because the sheep need to be taught. People need to be taught the word. And how many hear me? So that is, that is not just something you go to school to learn. You can learn the art of teaching. You can get a degree about teaching. There's nothing like the anointing of the Spirit to teach. And uh, when the anointing of the Spirit comes on a person to teach and to preach and to minister and to pastor, I, I, I tell you, it meets a spiritual need that nothing else can. How I many hear what I'm saying? So there's a big movement, and I say, if you're watching, you're involved in the house church movement, I think house churches are great. But you know what? Uh, you need to make sure there's a God-called pastor with wherever, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, there is a place for a God-called pastor for every believer to be uh, united to. How many hear me? Anyway, all of us have gifts. That's the bottom line of number three. Number four, we sharpen each other when we are together. Proverbs 27, 17, New Living. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Uh, the Passion Translation, it takes a grinding wheel. That's tough. A grinding wheel to sharpen a blade. So one person sharpens the character of another. Now, what do you read between the lines on that one? Can you read between the lines on a grinding wheel? Do you know anybody in your life that acts towards you as a grinding wheel? Do you know anybody that aggravates you just to be around them? Do you, when you come to church, do you know anybody you just soon not talk to? Just get real. You, 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 a person just rubs you the wrong way. You get aggravated just looking at them. I know that happens. Yes or no? Did you know that's the very person God may want you to, to be a part of in their life? They may want you to serve somewhere with them because it gets you out of your element and it gets you to not be self-serving and self-centered and it helps you to expand your horizons and see that not everybody thinks the way you do. Let me go one step further. Now, in the local church, you'll find self-centered personalities. And one of the tools that God uses to get you out of a self-centered mindset is to put you with people that don't think the way you do or do things the way you do them. And those are the people that make you the most aggravated. That's why a lot of husbands and wives are aggravated all the time because they don't think the same way. They don't do things the same way. He puts the stuff in the cabinet one way. She puts it the other way. She puts the toilet roll down. He puts the toilet roll up. He leaves his underwear on the floor. She puts everything up. He's a mess. She's clean, yada, yada, right? So, you know, we all got to learn to accept. Here's the problem. If you never come to church, if you're always at home, you're a self-centered, you become self-centered. 
Yes or no? If all you do is think about you, you pour your coffee the way you want to, you eat the way you want to. I mean, uh, you even come to church in your, uh, you, you, you might just be sitting in your underwear just watching church. You don't have to dress up. Is that true? But you know, you got to think about somebody other than you if you come here. The enemy wants you to be self-centered so God can't use you and the Holy Spirit will be grieved and the gifts of the Spirit can't manifest and then the grace gifts never flow, right? And then you never grow. You know, if you're only by yourself, uh, what's the, uh, well, you know, Robinson Crusoe was on the island. You read the book, maybe. Uh, what's, the, what's the movie years ago, Tom Hanks? Castaway. You know, if all by yourself, you know, he, he made a friend out of a ball. That's a sad state of affairs right there. You're not in church, y'all. If you're not together, you're not growing, you're not developing, you're not changing. Me, you know, I want to be different next year than I am right now. Do you? So ask yourself, am I changing, am I growing? I promise you, if you're not around people a lot, you're probably just like you were, all hung in your own ways, doing your stuff your own way. And even your spouse says, well, he ain't going to change. He's always been that way, always going to be that way. Just leave me alone. I've met a lot of people that think that way. Yes or no? I don't know about you. As I, The older I get, the more I want to change. Is that true? So change means growth. Growth means change. If I'm not changing, I'm not growing. If I'm not around people, I'm probably not growing. Selah. That means pause and calmly think about that. Ephesians 4, 2, always be humble, gentle, be patient with each other. I love this, making allowance for each other's faults. Don't you love that because of your love? Then it says the same thing, Colossians 3 says this, 12, since God chose you to be holy people, I didn't have this in the notes, I'm sorry. Uh, this is New Living. Since God chose you to be holy people, he loves Colossians 3, 12. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That means that's the first thing other people ought to see. Then verse 13 says what Ephesians 4, 2 said, make allowance for each other's faults cool and forgive another who offends you remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others see the cool thing about being in the local church you got an amalgamation of all kinds of personalities mindsets skin colors um, ways of doing things you got people from all kinds of different uh, different communities all over the world that hodgepodge together into one and you know what and then when you and, and, and then when you have close meetings and you know, you're, you're, you're a dream team person, you're a volunteer, you're working in the youth ministry or you're working in the children's ministry or working outside in the parking lot or you're back in the back with your booth, you're up here praising worship. There are a lot of people got a lot of ideas that you just don't like. And you know what? You need to suck it up, buttercup. And if you get mad and offended just because they don't do it your way, you got big, fat problems. Yes or No. Local churches are known for splits. You know why they split? Because the people are carnal. Any church that splits, they're people that are carnal in the church. Well, this church has carnal people in it because I'm in it. You say, well, pastor, you're pastor. Well, I got flesh like you and I have to put it down all the time. And you, know, you help me put it down. I have to make allowances for you. You have to make allowances for me. Is that true? Is it right? If you never come to church, this dynamic is not available, y'all. And there is a big deal going on in America. And I think God's, uh, God's kind of sitting back in America and saying, what's the American church going to do? What are, going, what are we going to do with the signs of the times? Judgment's coming. 
What are we doing with the signs of the times? Are we going to sit at home and cover our head with a towel and say, oh God, Jesus, please come back. Rapture, come on, rapture me away. Oh Jesus, come. Or are we going to get out of our hole and come out and help people? Because y'all, there's a lot of people hurting. We need to be together to help them. Yes or no? Number five, we create an atmosphere of the presence of God when we're together that has an amazing effect on us. Y'all hear that? Uh, A man named A.P. Gibbs wrote a book entitled Worship in my first Bible school in 1977. I had a class on worship. And this book, I still have it. It's a, it's a chartreuse color book cover. And that book, oh, I thought he had it on. I, I, you, I, bet, yeah, I bet you can't find that book. <laughs> he's, looking, he's looking for it. Uh, but in that book, he said, uh, every... Everywhere you go, well, he was talking about local church. He said the atmosphere of a local church is created by the people there. And there is a sense of the presence of God and of spiritual, he called it spiritual verities or spiritual realities uh, that are only present when a group of people get together that are believers. If I have the Holy Spirit in me and you have the Holy Spirit in you and we have a, you rascal, where'd you find that? You found that book. That's it right there. That is a great book. That book right there, it'll put your face on the floor. I promise you. And it'll make you mad a few times in the the process. Great book. But anyway, he says that one of the chapters, you know, the atmosphere of any meeting you're in is determined by the spirituality of the people present. It's true. Really true. So, so, So how do you feel here? You know what creates that? You. And the Holy Spirit in you and your submission to God or lack of submission to God. Uh, Whether you're cold or hot, you help create the atmosphere here. If we had more people here cold than hot, guess what? You come in here and it'd feel weird. You ever been to a church and you go in there and it's like, this thing is weird right here, son. You tell your spouse, I ain't coming back there. That's weird. I've been in a few churches that's like, they didn't even know I existed. Right? It's cold, hard. But you have an atmosphere. Hopefully, we got to get, I mean, ask the new people here. Does it, does it feel good here? If it feels good here, it ain't just me, it's you. And then when we worship the Lord, when we get together, there's an atmosphere. And y'all, it is a very real atmosphere, and it gets into you. You know, if all you do, goes, if all you do on the weekends is go to bars and drink whiskey, I hope you don't. There's an, a very real atmosphere there. Did you hear what I'm saying? Did you know that's what a lot of the world does? There's a lot of bars downtown Raleigh. And listen, they sit out on the streets now and drink. Yes or no? Now they got this little uh, wagon. Everybody's riding it. And they're drinking and carrying on. You know, oh, there's an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere. But here, there's an atmosphere you can't find anywhere else. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, 19, Amplified Bible. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, outside, outsiders with rights, without rights of citizenship, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, God's people, and are members of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as, as the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is joined together, and it continues to increase, growing into a holy temple, in the Lord. That word temple is the Greek word naos, N-A-O-S, and that word naos is talking about 
the Holy of Holies in the Jewish temple, which was in the back, which was separated from the rest of the temple with the curtain where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt. And it had the angels made out of gold that were looking over it. And that's where the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night when they were in the wilderness, that's where it hung over. It hung over the Holy of Holies and the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. The only person that could get in there was the high priest and he only once a year. And then only after he went through certain ceremonial washings and wore certain kinds of clothes. He walked, he, if anybody went in there unprepared, they could be struck dead by the pre holy presence of God. Now we are a naos. Individually, you are a temple of God. You're a naos. But when we get together as believers, we create a naos. We create a holy of holies. And there is something here when you get here. You, sometimes you can't feel it. You're not aware of it, but it influences you. The enemy today is seeking to take that away from the body of Christ by making us think that we don't need to be together personally in church services. Yes or no? You need it more than you realize, my friends. Uh, then number six, lastly, uni unity produces a moving of the Holy Spirit. When we get together in one accord, and we'll read this real quickly here, it, it creates an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to do things. And that's another reason the enemy wants to keep people away from the local church. Let me, this just came to my mind. The stats are, and y'all, this is nationwide. Uh, in fact, I think you heard me say this. If I went um, in May or 1st of May to a church in Atlanta, Georgia, that their attendance was generally 17,000 people. Guess how many people uh, one of the pastors on staff was at my table. It was a leadership conference. Guess how many people attend the church now on a weekend? Used to be 17, now it's 6,000. Does that shock you? Did you know that's happening all over the nation? You know, every church, our churches took a dip, not financially, but numerically. Now, we have a lot of people watching online, and we have people watching online that give, and we appreciate that. But you know what? You need to come here if you're in town. And people just, something's given them permission. I think it's fear. And I think it's our culture. And I think it's the things they're listening to. My friends, we need to listen to God more and believe what he said more than we listen to the media. Yes or no? So it's a big problem, and uh, it's, it's nationwide, uh, the percentages and all of there. But the bottom line is we need to be together. Uh, Acts 112 um, I love this. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, uh, Judas, the son of James. These all, watch, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Uh, this is the upper room. There were 120 people there. What would have happened if when Jesus ascended to heaven, they decided to go home? Would the Holy Spirit have fallen on the day of Pentecost? No, they were in one accord in one place. Did you hear what I just said? And it started right here in this prayer meeting. These all continued in one accord. And I didn't write it down, but Acts 2.1, they were all with one accord in one place on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. They had to been together. I don't think it'd be the same. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Miracles began to happen when the unity, I mean, you know, it takes unity for the Holy Spirit to manifest. 
and I've, I've, I've got to really, um, it's time for me to stop, but I need to say this. Uh, Kenneth Hagin, when I lived in Tulsa all those years, he frequently would talk about his traveling ministry, uh, particularly in the 1950s, traveling from church to church. He said he'd go to one church, people loved him, he loved the people, but he couldn't get the Holy Spirit to manifest. Couldn't get the gifts of the Spirit to manifest. Couldn't get the God's healing power to manifest. He said, what is it, God? What is it, Lord? And uh, he'd go from church, another church. He said, man, it just oozed. And he could, I mean, uh, just right when he started, the Holy Spirit began to manifest. And he said, it's just very apparent there's something different about this church. He got another church again. You know, nothing's going on. They loved him. He loved them. They loved his ministry. He said, just couldn't get the Holy Spirit to manifest. And it happened over and over again just that way. Some churches, yes, some churches, no. Here's what he found out. Um, where there was unity, there was a moving of the Spirit. That's the reason the enemy works overtime to try to get you aggravated at the person sitting behind you in church. Or I'm not, don't look behind you. But you know. Or the person you're volunteering with. Or, or get aggravated because of something I said. It, could, it happens, you know. But if he can do that, get us out of unity. You know why he can stifle and hinder the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Yes or no? So again, I forgot where I was. Here we're Now all the believers were together. Verse 44, had all things in common. Uh, Acts 2, 44, 45, sold their possessions, goods, divided them among all as everyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord. See, it's over and over again. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved, saved. What's the central focal point there? Unity. They were together. And the, the togetherness creates unity. You know, it, it sounds carnal, but the spirit, you know, it's actually a spiritual thing we'll be doing on uh, July 17th. Just uh, tooling around, hanging out, eating some chicken and whatever else y'all cook. <laughs> and just hanging out, you know. Why? Because we're together. And it creates a sense of unity, Right? And we need to, and it'll foster the moving of the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, 23, and being let go, uh, they uh, went to their own companions, reported all that the chief priests um, uh, and elders had said to them, and that's Peter and his friend. And so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord, Lord your God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. So, so what if after they, you know, the man at the beautiful gate was healed, one of the gates of the temple. And, uh, and then the religious leaders got all over them and told them not to do it anymore. They went back to their own company and had a big prayer meeting. What if they'd have just went home? Said, well, we better tuck our tail between our legs. Nobody likes what we're doing. You know, the government's not going to like us. I don't care where you are in the world. Get over it. And you know what? I'm over it. Uh, I, I don't do what I do because the government says it's okay. I, we do what we do because Jesus said do it. We don't get our commission from the government. We get our commission from Jesus. Yes or no? So if the government's for us, that's great. If the government's not for us, we still do what God's called us to do. Yes or no? Anyway. Acts 4.32, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great watch, because they were in unity, with great power. Everybody say power. <laughs> Not just power, great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands 
or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet. They distributed to each as anyone had need. We may have a time in the world before Jesus comes back that it's, you know what? I don't care what I got. I'm going to sell it and we're going to be together. Your need's my need. My need's your need. You need food. I got food. You need a chair. I got a chair. You need help. I got, I got the wherewithal, right? And that's what they did in the early church. I think we're coming full circle. And then lastly, Acts 5, 12, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So you'll find miracle signs and wonders went right hand in hand with one accord. See it? Um, and they, uh, in verse 13, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing might fall on some of them. Multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. The power of God falls where there's unity, where there's a state of one accord. Yes or no? So, so my goal is, anywhere I've ever been in a local church, I'm going to foster unity. I'm going to find the things I can agree with, not the things that I disagree with. I'm going I'm to I'm demagnify the things I disagree with and major on the things I agree with. Yes or no? You're never going to find any church that does it just the way you like it in every way. It just doesn't. In fact, God will purposely send you to a place. I mean, in my life, God has purposely sent me to places I didn't want to be, I didn't like it, but he said, do it. And it helped me grow. In fact, those are some of the places I grew the most. You hear me? Like before I came here, the church I was in before, and I mentioned that last week, that I, before I came here, I didn't like the way that pastor did stuff. It's like round peg, square hole. I judged everything about him. I sat on the back row. I judged everything about him. I judged his mannerisms. I judged how he talked to the people. I judged his preaching. I judged the praise and worship. I judged the ushers. I know, me. I judged them all. Sitting back there thinking I'm the most holy person there. I'm the smartest person there. And I'm sitting there one Sunday with my judgmental anointing. Yeah. Called the flesh. And you know what the Lord said to me? Mitch, who are you? Now, if God says, who are you? You better listen. So who are you that you judge another man's servant? To me, he rises or falls. He don't answer to you, bubs. Y'all, I took my tail between my legs and I repented. You hear me? It was a grow-up day. And God said, and, and you know what God had me do then? He had me, actually, the pastor told, told the story last week. Pastor went on a missions endeavor and I pastored his church for him for a whole year and had to keep my mouth shut about what I didn't like and loved him and treated him like a king while he's gone. Yeah. God will have you do stuff like that. Things you don't like, God will put you right in the middle of it. Now I feel the spirit of God. Some of you so aggravated at your job. Don't give it away. <laughs> and you're right where God wants you to be. Because it's rubbing you. And in the rub, 
you've got to pray. And if you do it right, you'll grow. Yes or no? Some of you, you're aggravated with your husband, aggravated with your wife. You know what? That's the very person God wants you to be with. Because that's the very person going to help you grow. But your enemies are often the people that help you the most. Because they force you to be what God wants you to be when you don't feel like it. Well, we're really kind of meddling around now, aren't we? So I want to encourage you. Get involved, y'all. Get involved. Just don't come and sit and serve. Serve somebody else. Help us. We need volunteers. We need people on our dream team. Get involved in a small group. Men, come on Tuesdays. We got our great men's coffee. You know, I could weep over these men. I mean, there's something going on there. There's, there's some heart connections. We need heart connections. How many hear me? Come to our services and just get involved. Here's the last thing and I'm done. Uh, what biblical directive is keeping you away from your church family? Is there one? What biblical directive is keeping you away from your church family? <laughs> If you can find chapter and verse of that, come and give it to me. I will write you a check for $500. If you can find a reason, a biblical directive that says you don't need to come to church. I've got the money. For those of you that aren't here, and you could be here, you need to come. Is this good? Come on, lift your hands up where you are. Just let the Father love you. Lord, would you minister life in this room? Lord, would you let your healing power? Lord, let that healing anointing in the name of Jesus flow to every person's body in this room. And Lord, let it affect a healing and a cure that person with headaches that come and go and they just keep coming and going, coming and going. Let them be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, that person that has constant sinus infections and problems with their ears, take authority over that in the name of Jesus. And I just say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, that person where diabetes is ravaging the organs of their body, I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, the person with respiratory issues, I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. The person that is experiencing irregular heartbeats. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Skin conditions. I say be healed in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Muscular skeletal issues. Let them be healed in the name of Jesus. Tendons, ligaments. Let them be healed. Muscles. Sciatica. Let it be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, those of us that, oh God, we need you. All of us need you. Lord, those of us with personality issues, quirks, I got to do it my way. I don't like that. They need shut up. All that stuff. Work that out of our persons. And Lord, help us to be able to get along with everybody but the devil. 
Help us. Minister to us. Lord, work in our families. Work in our marriages. Lord, the rub. Many are, there's a rub at home between husband and wife. It's friction. It's anger. It's animosity. They sleep on different sides of the bed. It's affecting their sex life. Lord, I'm asking you. Let the Spirit of God begin to affect a healing in marriages. Lord, let the self-centered person take their eyes off themselves. Let the opinionated person lay their opinion aside. I ask for the Holy Spirit. He's in the room, y'all. Lord, go into every crook and cranny and crack in life root things out of us and instill in us a desire to obey God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Everybody good? Glory. Thank you, Lord. This person here where you work, such agitation. Uh, some people talk about quitting. God wants you to be the answer to that. Find what you can't agree with with the person in charge. You begin to talk to them. Instead of being antagonistic, you'll be amazed at the changes. Pray for the person that's overseeing the area of that company. Ask God to work in them. In the name of Jesus. Lord, bring change in that workplace. Change that person's mindset. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.